my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to a brand new episode of season two of the Big Money Energy podcast here on iHeartRadio. This is the podcast where I talk to people who literally went from nothing to something and how they did it. We talk to founders, influencers, celebrities, anyone that I'm inspired by who I think their story could inspire you as well. Today, we have Matt Kalish, who is one of the three co-founders of DraftKings, the biggest online fantasy sports and sports betting website ever. And Matt is awesome, like down to earth, super nice Boston guy from Lowell, grew up outside New Hampshire, just like me, right? When I used to take summers in New Hampshire, really, really, really cool story. And what we really hit on is not just the origin story, which we go through, but how having that one solid idea and knowing yourself honestly and knowing what you're good at, that's what I want you all to listen to. So you can hear from someone who's done it, how you too can figure out what you're good at and what's your thing so you can take that idea and take it to the stratosphere. So welcome to a brand new episode.
kind of want to go through like the origin. So you and a couple guys were working at Vistaprint, right? That's correct. Yeah. How long did you work there? Well, even before that, I met the current CEO of DraftKings, Jason Robbins at Capital One, which was, it was my third job in corporate America, but I was maybe two years out of college. I had a couple short jobs and then Capital One, I settled in. I had an analytics role. Oh, nice. The American dream. Yeah. Analytics at a bank. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Credit. (laughs) It was a lending business. So yeah, we were doing heavy number stuff like Excel models and all this kind of data analytics and yeah. trying to make recommendations to, you know, marketing teams and stuff like that. So we were a couple of years into our career when we met and we had a lot of things in common, like fantasy sports. We both played poker and then, you know, just like softball and things like that would play together. So we spent a lot of time together nice. in addition to just being on a lot of the same projects in the company. So Jason was like my closest work friend, pretty much coming up uh, at Capital One. And then after three years or so, that business shut down and then we moved to Vistaprint. That part of the business at Capital One. Yeah. They had like a specific lending business that we were a part of and they just kind of wound it down. Nice. And so we ended up at Vistaprint and that's where we met Paul. Uh, Paul Lieberman was our, you know, third piece of the puzzle that really brought together the team that started DraftKings. Now, what did you go to school for? I did uh, computer science and economics. I had a double major. I should have done that. Yeah. I would have totally failed out of college, but that's what I should have done. Yeah, I had I had like a 2.7 GPA, but I took like heavy course load. Yeah. I always felt like I was wide and not too deep on any of my courses. Sure. So I got decent understanding, but uh, I never failed anything. I got a D plus in there's a class called graph theory. I got a D plus. That was like my senior year. I love that you remember the, that. Yeah. Like the scar is still there. <laughs> yeah. The the teacher wrote a poem about graph theory. Oh, my and God. And it was just like he was so hardcore and I just didn't take it as seriously as he wanted us to. So. But it's memorable. You remember yeah. it. You're talking about it to this day. That yeah. poem, man, that you should NFT that. Yeah. You know, that thing is probably still out there. And so were you entrepreneurial as a kid? Did you ever want to start your own business or build something? Or did you go to school and think, hey, I'm going to go get a job? No, I always like wanted to find ways to make my own money. My family was, um, both my parents met in the Navy. They didn't go to college. And then after the Navy, my dad was a corrections officer and worked in a prison for uh, 27 years. Nice. uh, Maybe 28 years. And then he retired. My mom was a hairdresser, and then she worked for a parks and recreation department. You know, so they had these sort of blue-collar jobs and never had that much money going around. So I was always looking for ways to make money. Yeah. First thing I did was um, I just started mowing the lawn. Of I lived right next door to a 7-Eleven. I just, like, mowed the lawn one day, and then I went over and talked to the owners and was like, hey, if you need someone to mow your lawn, just let me know. I'm around. I live right next door. And so I started doing that and I was making like $20 a week. Then as I got like a little older, I found, you know, a few little, like I was doing restaurant jobs and things like that. But by the time I got to college, what really caught my attention was poker. Cause I was like, this is a much more like intriguing way to make money to me. Gambling. It's, it's math, it's strategy, it's game theory. I thought it was fun. So the way I found out about poker was Matt Damon's movie, Rounders. Rounders yeah. I saw that movie right before I started my freshman year of college. Okay. And I was like, I'm going to be in trouble because I'm not going to be going to class much. I'm just going to play internet poker. So got to college freshman year, uh, and I was splitting my time between – I was running track, 
classes and then poker. And poker just started taking up more share of my life. You know, so I, I see like college. Giovanni Rabisi in boiler room, you know, in the middle of the night running like his underground poker den yeah. down there. Yeah. A lot of the people I would talk to, this was back in 2000 through 2004. Yeah. And so it's like AOL instant messenger was nice. a thing. Yeah. Good old aim. Yeah. A lot of my friends, I would meet them playing poker, meet some people from New York and uh, we would meet up and just talk on AIM while we're playing and then we'd meet up for games on Long Island and things like that. What was your game? Hold'em? Yeah, I yeah. was. I started by learning Limit Hold'em because that was what was popular in 2000. Sure. And then it wasn't until like 03 when Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker. I remember that. that the hat, like the, the glasses. No Limit Hold'em. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so Throwback. I was learning a little bit of everything. And... Yeah, by end of college, I was really thinking, like, should I play poker? Should I get a job? Was that yeah. a, was that a, that was a, like a real thing? Yeah, I almost like didn't get a job and played poker. And then, did you I, think you might like move to Vegas and just like do it for real, or are you going to do internet poker? I was going to do like internet poker. Got it. And I probably would have, but my mom, I just thought, like, wouldn't have really thought very highly of that. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to keep playing, but do it at night and get a real job. Yeah. So I had a few jobs that I didn't like. One was in engineering. One was, it was kind of like operations, I guess, but it was at Fidelity Investments doing benefits. Yeah. You know, like uh, yeah, yeah, Verizon yeah. or something, yeah. do their benefits through Fidelity. Yeah. So it was kind of like an Boston operations company. job. Yeah. Both jobs I didn't like. And then... Corporate analytics, though, I did because it had a lot of the poker, you know, like you're looking through incomplete data. You're trying to figure out, you know, trends or, or get insights from data. And, then and that make, was Capital One. Yeah, at Capital yeah. One. And I was good at that because, like, just poker conditions you to, like, look at the data you have, evaluate it, make quick decisions. You and know? Have strategy. And yeah. there's also the accountability, like you're really making money or you're really losing money. And there's like a balance sheet of life there that like you can't just be terrible and then, you know, keep going like you're going to eventually run out of run out of your bankroll if you're not making good decisions. What's the most amount of money you've ever made playing poker? Oh, God. Like, was there that like one around game? 25K. Okay. Yeah. Never anything too insane. So then Capital One, that division you're working at shuts down. You guys go to Vistaprint. You need the third party to your like fabulous trifecta. But did you know that you were going to? start your own company or you were just, Hey, this is the next job. And like, what was that Genesis? When did that conversation happen? Yeah. Like we, we knew we were going to do something for sure. And along the lines of sports betting, or? Jason and I, and then wasn't as sure if Paul, Paul had like a higher bar to actually quit. And where I stood on it was, I was almost 30 years old. I had done seven or eight years in corporate America. It was my fourth job. And I was, you know, if you just do your balance sheet again of life, I was like, okay, I'm making whatever, 70, 75, $80,000 a year. Then there's taxes, then, you know, house, um, all this stuff. Like you start taking it all out and you're not really saving anything. Yeah. I was paying off student loans and I had $9,000 and I was like almost 30 years old. And so Jason and I were like the corporate thing isn't really going well <laughs> you know we don't feel like we're getting where we want and we also just had that drive to do something on our own and we're waiting for the right idea paul jumped in um you know very similar he was just waiting for something like special enough that it sure. was worth it so you know he wasn't going to quit and start like a, a fast food franchise or something that just like wasn't where his head was at he wanted like something that could be be Huge. big yeah and 
so we we started talking about this idea for DraftKings, which was fantasy sports. It was right after internet poker kind of uh, fell to the side in the U.S. We were like, fantasy sports is really interesting because people love doing these drafts. You can yeah. do it potentially every day. What if you just like reformatted it a little where you're drafting every day? You're playing just for one day and you're playing against your friends or maybe against like thousands of people for big prizes. You know, that's pretty cool. And you're just inventing and, this in conversation. Yeah. Like just like a total what if situation. Yeah. It was like, what if we just built this thing that was, you know, not not um, easily solved, like kind of a skill game around fantasy. And so the thing we talk about the thing, the thing is the website. Right. And then but the machine behind it. And you're the computer engineer. That's what you went to school for. But it's the three of you like at night, you're going to work during the day and then at night you're coding. Is that what's really started it? Yeah, we fell into roles really quickly, which basically all of us learned something relatively new. Paul wrote the code for our site. Paul was like uh, not a software engineer, but he knew some stuff. Okay. I think he did electrical engineering and he was an analyst and he just started reading books and figured out how to write code. He wrote our prototype. Uh, it was C++ or something. Yeah. And then... We started doing investor pitches. Jason Robbins had to learn how to go do like a fundraise. So he went out and started like building a pipeline. So you immediately wanted to raise money. Yeah. Yeah. I would say within three or four months, we figured out if we don't raise money, we're never getting this off the ground. Got it. Did you know how much it was going to take you to get it off the ground? Like how much we were looking to raise at the beginning? I feel like a lot of people do this, but we had a really stupid model. Like it was, we thought we needed way less and it was like, I don't know. $300,000 or something. To like build the first site and kind of get everything running. Yeah. Our first pitch deck said we need to raise like 300K and it will be profitable in like six months and all this stuff. And then we ended up raising 1.2 million. We did 40 pitches probably. There was 30, 35 no's. A couple of people were like, call me back if you have a lead for your round, but they didn't want to lead it. And this is just seed money, right? You're just looking for people to help you start. Yeah, just like we were showing them our prototype. And it's just the three of you. Yeah. And what was the prototype? Like a wireframe? Yeah, it was a not an app. It was a website. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we would just load it up. It had a little bit of functionality, not much. <laughs> there wasn't like live data from sports pumping into it. It was all like placeholder data. Just the idea yeah. and a 99 design logo. Yeah, and Paul, I can't overemphasize that he was not an engineer, so he didn't really know how to write code. <laughs> so the site would just get the blue screen of death sometimes on investor pitches. And nice. like it was just broken, but it like worked enough. And he was getting better over the months yeah. and just like cleaning up and learning. And so it's just the three of you. Yeah, it was just the three of us. And then after we got line of sight to raising money, we brought on our fourth, you know, our first non-us employee. And who was that? That was somebody named Blake Dunkel, who is an engineer, like a real, a real, like a real one. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who could come in and help you build this whole thing. So when did DraftKings first go live? We went live in April 2012. Yeah. That was for baseball. And it was April 27th, which is Paul's birthday. And I think he like deliberately launched it on his birthday. Even if we could have went sooner, he was like, I just want it to be on my birthday. So he, he you know, lined up all the stuff and, and that's when we went live. And how was that first couple months? It was good. So at that time, there was probably like six or seven competitors that we knew of that were doing fantasy, that were in the market, doing something like kind of similar to what we were. Sure. But nothing was big at all. 
maybe like tens of thousands of people at the most had ever like tried like 10 or 20,000. Right. And so we came in and there wasn't, it wasn't like just get people, you know, who are already in the market to try it. You had to literally explain what the thing was. And educate people yeah. to like come here. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. And so our first day we had 107 registered users, I think. Nice. And we just did a free game where we gave away a hundred bucks. <laughs> That's all for baseball. And it was a combination of like people that had heard of the industry and just like stumbled upon social media posts or friends told them or we posted on some forums, but like random mix of 107 people that kind of stumbled in. And, you know, we were asking our friends to spread the word and everything and, you know, didn't invest any marketing for a couple months, you know, so we were just really doing it. Total word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah. We would just start doing emails. We had like free games that people could jump in. Nice. And then we started testing some stuff on you know like facebook digital marketing and stuff uh probably july something like in june or july so it took Great. a few months and yeah we had to clean up our product a little bit made some changes but uh we felt like by july we were okay investing a little bit and we were really just getting ready for football season which was you know so that's why you did thought. baseball first because you were launching it in the spring gearing up to then bring football in yeah, that's it wasn't even that strategic. That's just like when we were when we were okay. ready. Basically. In the telling, it's like there's strategy. <laughs> mm -hmm. So then why'd you choose baseball first? Yeah. When they write the story about DraftKings sometime in the future, they can say it was like very strategic, but yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. So we launched when we were ready and that was baseball. <laughs> and then, you know, we had a few months to to build our football product, get that all lined up. And, you know, we had at that point enough insight into like a little bit of marketing that we could turn on the faucet a little bit. Nice. And yeah, by the end of the year, we had something in the range of four, four and a half million of revenue in 2012. So we went from just starting at nothing to you know, a few million bucks of revenue. Crazy. And just in case anyone who's listening doesn't know exactly, how, how does DraftKings generate revenue or how did it generate revenue back then? It's just the difference between like entry fees into a contest and what gets paid out. Got so it. on average, it's like around 10% in fantasy is what our revenue is. And then uh, at that time, though, a lot of the time we would just be, uh, we wouldn't get enough entry fees and there was like more prizes than the entry fees. Got it. So sometimes it was even like we'd run a contest that we lost money on, but it was all part of just building yeah, sure. you know, our audience, building the business up. My dad works in B2B marketing. But I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. So then 2013 was just adding more sports, right? Yeah, we added sports. We, a couple big things. We did a deal with Major League Baseball. It was like the first league deal in, in our space. And that was the first time. In fantasy, in your space ever. Yeah. Like you guys were the first. Yeah. And we were we were thinking like, wow, this is great, Major League Baseball. Yeah, like never would have thought that that quickly we would have got support. But the data around fantasy is really compelling. Like people really watch a lot of sports when they're playing fantasy. Yeah, and they watch. They it need to watch the all the teams. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you're just watching the score and it's 40 to 7, like the Patriots last week was like 45 to 7, yeah. nobody's watching that if you yep. just want to know who's going to win the game. But like if you're in fantasy, then you're watching like is Mac Jones running up, you know, yep. 300 plus uh, pass yards and another touchdown and whatever. And it all adds up to your score. So people just keep watching. And the leagues understand, you know, the fantasy player is probably like their best, you know, that's the best, best segment customer. of their audience, you know. So wanted to make some some investments in building up fantasy and, and Major League Baseball really went first. So 2013, we did that deal. Another thing was we did an acquisition, which was we were the th- uh, third biggest probably fantasy provider. And we bought a company called Draft Street, which was based in New York. Yeah. They had maybe 20, 25 employees. We had probably 40 so suddenly we like doubled the team size and we about doubled our customer base, doubled our revenue. So by the end of 2013, we had, uh, f- it was like 30 million of revenue from four the year before. Crazy. And, you know, that also meant our prizes got bigger. So it was like more attractive of an offering. Uh, so that 
that deal made it where it was kind of us and our main competitor, FanDuel, were really rivals from that point forward. And what what was your specific role during this whole time, right? Like, what was, like, your day-to-day? I've taken on a lot of different roles, and all of it has always been sort of customer-facing and in-market. But early on, I was building sort of product specs and operating the games themselves. So literally like in 2012, 2013, 2014, I was like coming up with the salaries for uh, the players that people were drafting. Like Tom Brady is, you know, $8,900 and, you know, Aaron Rodgers is 7,800 and whatever, right? Like doing that. And I had a team that I started building up that you know, had a lot of expertise in each of the sports we were doing. And over time, I it was less reliant on me. But early on, I was making them in an Excel spreadsheet. And then I was like uploading them into a database and doing a bunch of that. I was doing our email marketing personally. It's like making templates and, you know, filling them in and trying to drive drive interest. By 2014, I, I spent almost an entire year building an analytics team. So we had all just like marketing and operators. And uh, 2014, I pretty much focused entirely on analytics and just building up that practice. And then by end of 2015, I was back into like a heavy operational, like product operations role, you know, driving the fantasy business again. Uh, And yeah, what that's developed into now is we just keep offering more products. So like the role just keeps scaling with um, not to jump ahead too fast, but But all the products that you guys offer, like quite scalable to just keep keep bringing on experts in each of the products we want to offer and keep the same core like relationship between Jason, Paul, and I. What does it feel like to go from, you know, like Capital One to having this idea for sports betting to now building this massive, massive business that's now public where you're known by millions of people around the world on top of millions, on top of millions. Like, do you ever sit and think and just say, like, how, how did this all come to be? Or is it just like, hey, we worked really, really hard. We had a cool idea and it worked. Yeah, weird. It's definitely strange to think about the... Like the impact. We have over 10 million U.S. customers now in our, our database that we serve. And I just think about the number, like, that's a lot of people. That's, that's you a know, lot of people. Yeah, you think about the scale of, like, how many people have ever tried the thing that we built. And that's probably, like, the thing I think about the most. It's just, like... Very few companies ever get to the point where that many people like try the thing that you've worked on. Yeah. And so, you know, the fact that we've gotten that many people to try the product and that generally like the feedback is so positive and we have such an exciting roadmap to like looking forward so many ways to expand the relationship with our audience. Yeah. Like those things are it's like jaw dropping, but also keep us very busy, you know? I'm sure. Like um, we're very, when we think about DraftKings like strategy or what we, what we want to do next at any given point in time, it always starts with one idea, which is like, okay, we have a large audience of what we call skin in the game sports fans. It's mm-hmm. like people that don't just watch the TV, you know, they don't watch the game on TV with no rooting interest. They like to predict things. They're playing fantasy or doing sports bets. They want to like bet against their friends um, different forms, like everybody has preferences, yeah, yeah. like parlay betters or people who like fantasy more. But, you know, that is our core audience. It's like a risk reward type audience, right? And there's a lot of things that those people are interested in that aren't just what we're doing today. You know, sure. We recently launched DraftKings Marketplace, which yeah, is like an NFT platform this summer know, for collectibles. And all of this is driven by just insight into who our customer is. 
and we we believe like we could represent a decent share of like the the kind of recreational time the sure. the attention that gets sprayed everywhere if we just continue to understand our audience and build things that they're spending their time on I'm Katia Adler host of The Global Story over the last 25 years I've covered conflicts in the Middle East political and economic crises in Europe drug cartels in Mexico now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. What advice would you give to any aspiring entrepreneur? Like, what have you learned in your journey now, right? Which is now almost basically like this year from when you guys started, you know, next year is your, we're coming up on your 10-year anniversary, right, in April 2022 of DraftKings. So you've been, this entrepreneur has built this massive company over the last nine years. Like, what's what's something that you've taken away that you wish you had known back then that would be good for other people to know? A couple of things. Like, first, just being honest with yourself about what you can do, what you do best, what your, your interests are in terms of what you want to do in the future. For example, like, I don't want to be the CEO of a company ever. So I'm just not who knows, but like, I don't think I'll ever do that. 
And I just don't think that's an attractive job. And yeah. it's actually kind of awful to me. <laughs> like when I look at, you know, the job of being a CEO, it sucks. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to be customer facing. I want to work on projects that I think are like awesome. I want to be like, be the customer, yeah. you know, be in market. So like, if you're not honest about what you want to do, you yeah, can find yourself. yourself in like, oh, I have a great business idea. So I guess that means I'm the CEO of it. And like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's not what it, I, the original idea of doing DraftKings I came up with, right. But I yeah. talked to Jason, talked to Paul, we quickly Norman to rules. I'm like, I would never want to be the CEO of DraftKings. I yeah. just wouldn't. You know, I love what I do. I have like the best job in the world. And Jason has to him the best job in the world. Right? <laughs> it's like you just have to be honest about the role that you really yeah. want to play. And if it's not that, then don't. Like you can yeah. always team up with the right people. Sure. Um, I would say like if you're a tech business, you really want to have a tech founder. <laughs> That's another thing. Like Paul figured this out and we were flying close to the sun. But um a lot of people with tech ideas, like they want to create an app or something. Yeah, yeah. They're like, I'll outsource the coding. We don't know how to do the coding. We have a product idea we want to do. Try to outsource it. It's just not a thing. Like yeah. you really want to have a tech founder that you get engaged. Who understands it. Yeah. And the last thing is like always be willing to give up some equity. Like don't be afraid to give up some equity to get people engaged in your idea. So often I think it's like people want to own 90% or whatever of their company and you might end up owning 90% of Nothing. A, whatever, yeah. like a $3 million company when it could be you own 5% of a multi-billion dollar company one day. Right. So it's like, I know there's different scales here, but uh, if you can get somebody committed to like helping you on your project and you think that they can help you and they're willing to do it and all that's between Making that happen is some equity in your company. Like, just give them the equity. <laughs> you know, give up a little bit of equity to get people engaged. And you know, what's DraftKings valuation right now? Like th three, 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 three point three billion, something like that. That was when we went public. Now yeah. we're in the teens somewhere. Up oh, really? In the teens. I'm yeah. way off. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's Nuts. been quite nice. But yeah, when we did our deal to go public. Well, yeah, we went live, right? That's all right, the that's media right, said it was like a $3.3 billion and in deal. A, yeah. a year, it's quintupled. I mean, like, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Nuts. Good yeah. thing sports came back. Yeah. Well, I think it's also DraftKings have a really interesting profile because it's a giant industry. We're serving a customer that is like very coveted, an amazing customer base, you know, and it's a founder led company where we still drive the operation. The vision that we've had is it's not like a private equity company coming yeah. in and taking it over and executing. And that's what a lot of like our, our current competition looks like, right? It's, it's an entrepreneurial company driven by founders who still control 80, 90% of the teams report to me or Paul or Jason. Yeah. And we control the roadmap. We did go public, but we have, you know, we have the reins on bringing our vision to life. And I think a lot of investors find that really attractive, like sure. the idea of like these founder led. If you think about some of the most valuable tech companies in the world. Yeah, they're the people for that For the most part, they're yeah. founder led. Yeah, it's it's founder led, founder controlled. So the thinking is like, OK, well, if they got their vision here in nine years, what's going to happen 30 years from now? It's going to yeah. be an awesome company. Yeah. So as long as you keep being sort of right often enough, executing well, having the right proof points, building credibility, I think will 
you know, continue to see a lot of success, hopefully, you know. How proud are your parents? Quite proud. My dad actually got me into, um, like, the way I learned a lot about math was from my dad. Oh, really? Because he would show me stuff like blackjack, for example. It's like, it. here's when you hit, here's when you don't. And then we're like, why? Why don't I hit on 17? That's not a good number. He's like, well, you don't, because it's like the chances, you know, three yeah. cards in the deck are good and 10 are bad and one is a, you know, 20. So whatever, he would explain it simple. And then as I was getting older, it would be like, okay, I'm actually like 16.7% of this or whatever to get this. Um, so yeah, he would, we would go to like watch horse racing. We would do um, pick em pools at his work, stuff like that. So he got me into that kind of gaming that then became how I learned math and how to apply math. And then when I got into poker, he was kind of like right there with me. We were both playing, you know, something to talk about. So being like this far along as an operator of a business that's like aligned with our passions like that, he just absolutely loves it. You know, he lives in Seabrook and we have a DraftKings sports book in Seabrook, New Hampshire. So he just like goes, hangs out there sometimes. It's like, hey, my son is like, yeah. he is, he's like at DraftKings. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> and yeah, my dad's like a, a military guy and was a, worked in a prison. So yeah. it's like very, he just hangs out with his friends who are cops and stuff like that at the sports book. It's fun. So yeah, it's become like a decent part of the lifestyle of our family and uh, yeah, really special. Like my, my last question for you, and this has been uh, really, really awesome. So thank you for taking the time is what's, what's something about DraftKings that people don't know? What's something that might've happened in the last couple of years or in the process to going public or in the founding that like, no one has any idea because you haven't told them yet. I don't know about something nobody, I, I wonder if anybody really knows this, probably very few if anyone, but a lot of the time when you're when you're raising money, you, deals aren't like done until they're done, right? Like until it's literally like your money's in the bank, deals aren't done. Oh, I know. And yeah, I remember this was like probably five years ago, we were raising money. It was like our our Series C. We probably just had for like, expansion into higher people. Yeah, you need we're more a private cash. company and whatever. So we probably had like a month of runway on the company. We had a deal all lined up. A month. And, yeah, probably something like that. And we're also about to go into football season where we like we really want to be in market investing, growing our audience. So we're like, okay, rounds in good shape, whatever. Then like lead dropped out probably two weeks before our runway was out. Jason like somehow figured out a way in three days to raise the same amount of money at a higher price. <laughs> With two weeks of runway. With new people? <laughs> yeah. With led by yeah, yeah, led by a new outside investor and and multiple insiders. So it was like yeah, he's Eesh. like just figured out a way to still raise the capital on a higher valuation somehow. Which is just had that insane. not happened, what would have happened in two weeks? Yeah, we it would have been fine. We would have probably like bridged needed some bridge money and figured yeah, sure. it out. But like that's yeah. tight, though. You never know until it's, until it's done. It's not done. So it's like a really interesting kind of aspect of fundraising. It's probably like closing a deal on a house, too, you know? It's like you have a Definitely deal. Definitely not done like, until it's closed. Yeah, It's that's like sure. kind of done, but like things fall apart all the time, too, yeah. right? And so you have a plan B, right? And yeah, it's... Insane. <laughs> yeah, never done. Big Money Energy is hosted by me, Ryan Serhan. It's produced by Mike Coscarelli and Joe Laresca and executive produced by Lindsay Hoffman. Find more podcasts like Big Money Energy on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.